Please. my wife saw Smash Mouth. Like in concert? In concert, like just a couple years ago. Ooh. Because all that glitters is gold. Audio- touring? Audiologists, still they are still touring. Audiologists had like a big giant conference. I think this was maybe the one in like San Antonio. <laughs> so she was in San Antonio for this big national audiologist conference. Yep. And the band that they got for that was Smash Mouth. <laughs> and she said that they oh did boy. like a whole like two hour set and they were giving out like free like earplugs because they're audiologists they wanted to protect their hearing from the loud concert and they had like a like a bar where like all these audiologists could get like whatever they wanted the open bar yeah huge like I don't know how they had to spend like a million dollars on this thing not on Smash Mouth though yeah Smash Mouth did this whole entire two hour set and they didn't do all star and they left the stage and then they came back for the of encore. Course. Of course they did. And did All-Star. Of course they did. Of course. <laughs> of course but that they did. is what all the ultimate uh, troll. That is what Smash Mouth is up to now. They are um, touring at like professional um, yeah, conferences and things for, you know, um, professions that you don't normally think about. You know, I went to a... There's a lot of wisdom. Sorry, go ahead. I, I went to a tech concert, a, a concert. I went to a tech conference several years ago in Vegas. We did not have any sort of performance bands or anything like that. Yeah. We had some of the top people in our industry, but we did not have entertainment like that at all. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's the thing about conferences. It's, it's really just an excuse to have a big party, big expensive <laughs> party. Well, this one was in Las Vegas that I went to. I'm so you didn't have like Siegfried and Royd. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It, 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 instead, we had some some big podcast people in, in, okay. the, in the tech realm. But once again, definitely not a concert. I would have rather think I've, I think I probably would have rather had a Smash Mouth concert. There you go. Who would you pick for your tech conference? Oh, it's, I don't know. Would you pick like a techno person like Andy Hunter or something? That that, that would be fun. That'd be pretty that would, sick. That, that, that would be a lot of fun. I would personally find that to be entertaining. I'm not sure others in my, I'm not sure everyone in my industry would, would be so. They don't all listen to so techno. Keen. They don't all listen to Christian no. techno. No, as, as a matter of fact, we, we, we give, uh, we give one of, uh, one of the guys in my office a hard time because therefore while he was listening to a bit of Taylor Swift. Oh, wow. <laughs> I would not think. Yeah, you just you don't. So imagine a, lot, somebody, a lot of pop. Yeah, you don't imagine somebody sitting there coding with T Swift on. <laughs> well, uh, a group of guys much more wise than myself once said, "We could all use a little change." <laughs> you guys ready to start? Yeah. <laughs> I'm Zach. I'm Colin, and I'm Bob, and, and welcome, welcome to, to the House Plants Podcast. We're we're here to talk about music media and the mission of jesus i can't remember the last time i said media <laughs> usually like first or third um so what i will yeah. say also is that we're here to talk about big giants uh that big old giant are topics definitely giants like andre they're probably aliens too were like, they in the princess bride andre <laughs> oh man <laughs> andre the alien when the big show heard that andre the giant had passed away my heart went out to him because he played his fake son in wrestling oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was like wow they're really gonna do that he's like oh no andre the giant was wild man there's like a whole documentary about him and how like there was like a cab driver that was like arguing with him one time and he like <laughs> lifted up the car. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh man. Okay. So, uh, yeah, before we get into our main topic, which is going to be the second episode of this series on spiritual beings or celestial beings or whatever you want to call it. 
um, we are going to do some worship. Like yeah, we, buddy. And so um, just to give you guys a very, very small summary of what this this uh, worship song is, um, it's just um, I've been doing a lot of like just sitting with the piano and playing like I used to do when I was the worship leader uh, at FUMC. And um, this song came out, but I don't have all the lyrics done. I have two verses and kind of like a refrain chorus sort of thing. It's it's so work in progress. It's a work in progress. So we get a sneak preview, something we get a chance to hear in much greater detail later on. And uh, we have maybe one or two from past episodes we still haven't really perfected. So this will be one of those that will go in the locker for later. But um, the Disney vault. But yeah, so <laughs> not to be seen for ten years. That's right. And so, um, uh, I've I've ca- I've named it. It is done, and it is essentially about the um, new covenant that Christ has with His people, and about the second coming of Christ, kind of the the fruition and the completion of His like promise to His people. So the song is called "It Is Done." It is done, but it's not done. Well, <laughs> well, I wanted to but call the, it. The, the song is not done, but it is called "It Is Done." That's yes. right. That's the, right. But like, so the topic matter is done, but right. the song is not done. Because in yeah. Revelation twenty-one, or I think it's twenty-one, uh, or uh, he says, like uh, the you know the the Lamb says, "It is done." I am the Alpha Omega, the beginning yeah. and the end. And so that is kind of the when the when the uh, holy city comes down. And so, uh, yeah. So there I you go. Pushed, I pushed for Colin to call it "Get Her Done," but he <laughs> oh, held firm on that. If <laughs> if Jesus had only been born uh, two thousand years later, that might have been his catchphrase. Um, okay, so you guys ready? Let's do it. Here we go.
Daddy, we thank you for this chance to come together as your people, explore your word, um, try to understand who you are better and, uh, and, and the creations of this world. We thank you for how you continue to watch over us, how you continue to guide us, and how these topics encourage us to explore your word while at the same time not changing the foundations of the truth, the truth that you are in fact God overall, and that your son came to be our salvation, to be our Messiah. We praise you for that. We praise you for how you continue to open our eyes every single day. We hope that this is encouragement and encourages and enlightens our listeners and encourages them to dig deeper into scriptures, to see what it has to say and not let us be the final word. We praise you, Lord. It's the same. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Thank you so much uh, for... Uh, uh, sticking with us. Thank you for the beautiful prayer, Bob. Um, what we're going to be talking about today is an extension of last episode. Uh, and so we're going to maybe retread some ground. Uh, and this may be a shorter episode because this isn't quite the same uh, grandiose uh, kind of controversy, but it does take us out of the scriptures just a little bit more. So we may make up for some lost time with that just to be interesting because some of the uh, story and mythos surrounding the Nephilim is very, very interesting. So, uh, so we'll get started with the topic. Bob, mm -hmm. you, uh, you kind of, uh, give us a little preface last time. Why don't you sure. fill us in, in your own words, uh, what are we talking about? So, um, so once again, it's very similar to last time, digging through these spiritual beings. Uh, we are trying to stay as biblical as, as possible, maybe uh, uh, trying to Maybe pull in a few other uh, outside sources to give a little bit of uh, perspective. Always. Um, mm. But uh, but exploring some of these ideas that are not necessarily um, salvation-oriented ideas. The, the, these don't change who God is in the cosmos, that he is the one true God, that he is the Lord over all, or that Christ is his one and only son. This does not change salvation at all, but these are ideas that are in the Bible, and we're just kind of exploring them, trying to stretch our knowledge mm -hmm. a little bit and see if we can try to um, figure out, see what we can understand by exploring these different ideas and these different topics. So this one's going off to this Nephilim. Um, and so uh, this is um, uh, often viewed as uh, more of the giants, I guess you could say in scripture. Sure. That's like the, the surface level thing most people well, think of. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, but but the, what, there there's two main ideas that come out uh, that they kind of bring up the Nephilim. The first one is Genesis 6. That's right. And we're going to re-read mm -hmm. re Genesis 6, but we're going to go forward yes. into verses 3 and 4. Yes. And then, um, the, and then it also yeah. touches further on uh, during the time of King, uh, of uh, during the time of David a little bit as well, That's possibly. Right. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so without, I don't, so I don't want to jump too far ahead. Um, anything else you want to expand on as part of an introduction? So well, yeah, mostly, yeah. mostly I just want to say, you know, if, if you don't, believe the right thing about the giants and the Nephilim in the Bible. Are you even a Christian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And oh I know, God. I know, I know it seems like we're really heavily handedly, you know, kind of giving a disclaimer before, but we just want to make sure everybody understands that this is not a definitive answer. Yes, yeah. We we are not yeah. the yeah. experts on this. We are merely conversation starters and we want to hear your viewpoints. If you disagree with us, we want to hear that. Let, let, let us know. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know your yeah. ideas on the topic matters too. But without any further ado, um, I want to read the entirety of Genesis 6, 1 through 4, and mm -hmm. just kind of get your all's perspective on it. Because okay. last time when we read it, it itself within the first two verses had its own confusion. 
So let's continue on. So I guess I'll read. When man began <laughs> to multiply on the face of the land, oh, it's like rhyming, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose, which is interesting. The way the, the way they say it, they took them as wives. Mm-hmm. Um, then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His, his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Okay. So within just that, we've got some crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, so absolutely. I will, so I will open things up again, like we did last time with questions. Um, and I will kind of, uh, give you guys some food for the crunch on as we go through the episode. First thing, based on what you've, read or listen to me read do you feel like there is some grammatical issues with the way this is said hmm that's an interesting point um so it could be some grammatical issues i don't mean grammar as in like the words are spelled wrong what i mean is like the 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 organization and the the organization of this this four verses uh, and the sentences that's interesting well and i i wonder and i i don't know enough Hebrew really to do a full examination without really taking some time and digging in. Um, But what do you mean by grammatical issues? So let me, let me, what what are your thoughts on it? Again, this is going to be something that we just come back to over and over because this is a, this is a thing Mm -hmm. that people, uh, the branches of thought on what the Nephilim, Mm -hmm. Nephilim are branches off of the way that they are described in this passage. Gotcha. So it says, uh, they saw that the daughters of man were attractive and they took as their wives any they chose, period. Yeah. Then the next verse says, then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever for he is flesh. His days shall, his days shall be 120 years. Completely mm-hmm. different point. Well, m- maybe not. Maybe not. But, but yeah, according uh, to how people read this, they're so like, you're okay. talking about the order of the way the ideas are That's presented. That's right. Okay. Then they go return back. Then they continue on to say the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them. These were, okay, so that in itself is a completely different thing because they say the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and afterward. Yeah. When the sons, so technically those things aren't like in a relation with each other. Those could be two separate points, but they are in the same sentence. And then it says, these were the men, the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. So. Hmm. That is interesting. I never really thought of it that way before, but it mentions. There's these ideas are just jumping back and forth to each other. Well, maybe, um, but one, they should all be in relation. Yes, they're all well, part of the well, same thing. One, one other translation doesn't use the word flesh there, but it's corrupt. Ah, see, now that's interesting. We're going to so, talk about God's anger because yes, right and, after verse four, and, and, and I feel like that makes much more contextual sense because yes. we're talking about this level of corruption, and He says, I, "My my spirit won't always be with them. For the, they're they're corrupt." 
That's right. And so one and, of the and things then, then it goes back and talks further about how that corruption yeah. has perpetuated over over generations. One of the things we're going to talk about going forward is how God's wrath. And we're going to return to the first episode. We talk about it, but how God's wrath, how God's anger over the way that the sons of God do their thing and the way that the Nephilim are perceived, the way that the people of earth are perceived mm-hmm. leads to a flood. And so it's interesting that those those ideas from uh, Genesis 6, 1 through 4 lead to the next thing. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. This is verse 5. And that every inclination of their thoughts of yeah. his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I've created from the face of the earth, men and animals and create and creatures that move along the ground and birds, the air for I am grieved that I have made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Okay. So interestingly enough that the Nephilim get mentioned and then like in the deed of the sons of God coming down and having yeah, uh, yeah. relations and then mm-hmm. immediately afterwards, he's like, I'm sick and tired of these people. I'm done. I'm, they're wiped off the face of the earth. Yeah. So wh- as we go forward, we're going to learn about kind of the heinousness of what might have led to the Nephilim and then potentially how God sees them in the yeah. lineage yeah. of mm-hmm. history. That's a really interesting point to bring up because we talked about the sons of God last time. Yes. And we saw that they are divinely appointed to be a council that serves God, but that they had this choice that they made to, Mm -hmm. um, some of them went their own way. And so it seems like, whereas we would categorize the fall as being simply the sin of Eve and then Adam in taking the, um, the the forbidden fruit. That's right. But actually like the fall, the story of the fall, at least kind of continues through um, the rest of like that section of Genesis yeah. three, four, five, and six, three, four, five, and six. You see violence on the earth kind of continue in corruption. Yeah. And it culminates with this um, kind of co labor of rebellion between humans and then these fallen mm-hmm. or these sons of God that chose to, to be rebellious. So, so there is a uh, through line when it yeah. comes to that idea of thinking about how the sins of the father will affect the the the, the generations yeah. afterward. Yeah. Um, both favorable of each individual is responsible for their own sin in Deuteronomy that says fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers. Each shall be put to death for their own sin. But in Exodus uh, 34, seven, it says keeping steadfast love for Thousands forgiving inequity and transgression and mm-hmm. sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the inequity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And so if we understand that this sin that was committed by the sons of God, the ones who rebelled, who fell, um, was, was resulting in potentially resulting in the Nephilim. We haven't said that yet. Yeah. But if that is the case, then it would make sense that God was angry with the next generation that came from the union of those of those things. Now, 
Nephilim the word, which is interesting because we're going to talk about yeah. the, the, the names that they give to all these different like kind of giant things in the scripture. Mm-hmm. But the word Nephilim in Hebrew is translated as to fall. And then I guess, Zach, you said yeah. em is the suffix for par- pars- participle. It's, it's the, so em, add em to something and it makes it a plural. So what's interesting about that is nephal is a verb. So um, it's kind of making it a Many little fallen. bit. It's making it into a noun. And so that in a grammatical term is called a participle. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So what you do is you add like ones to it. So it becomes the fallen ones. That's whatever. right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I might be wrong about that, but no, that's, I what mean, I, that's how I think it goes. So it's interesting because yeah. like we talked about last time about the potential for the sons of God to be fallen angels. Some people make the case that the reason the Nephilim are called the fallen in Hebrew is to exemplify the idea that the ones who procreated them were the fallen. Now, Interesting. Okay. Now, yeah. again, we're, I'm not going to go on for my long tangent. I do truly believe that the Nephilim, like, well, you know, I'm still on the fence, but I, I think there are you strong towards, I think there are strong evidence to show that the union of man and the sons of God, which we've already established, we kind of believe that they are real angels yeah. or real entities, entities of, of spiritual nature. Yeah. I believe that it that the scriptures do support the idea that supernatural, like half Z beings could be created as a as a result of this union. Mm-hmm. Now, um, we will go into that further. But another thing that I think is interesting. Okay. Is it does not mention giants here. It doesn't mention it giants. Doesn't here. mention giants. Not not yet. No, not no, yet. no. But it does yeah. mention men of renown. And it also says that um, they were on the earth in those days and also after. Yes. And I find that very interesting because the way that it talks about the flood later seems yeah. to indicate that what it's talking about is a flood that's meant to wipe out all life except for what ends up on the ark. Mm-hmm. So there's a yes. mystery about how did they continue to be alive? Right. So that's, and and we're going to find out I, this, this will be a thing that is again, like Zach mentioned last episode, this is, this is truly over my head. Like even doing some research, kind of like a global flood would be, Ah. (laughs) but the idea of the, the idea of surviving lineage lines from the Nephilim, because in some language later on, as we read, we're going to find out that's, the Nephilim are sort of referred to as almost like a people because they multiply in number. And so like, and basically you have like your groundwork of, uh, because there are several sons of God that do this. It's not just like one guy makes yeah. one Hercules looking guy or one Gilgamesh looking guy <laughs> and then they just go off. So, the, and, and if you know about the, the time period that this is in, there is, uh, some areas around Eden, there is, uh, there is a uh, Canaan and, and, and a few other places. Yeah. And so where we locate where the Nephilim are and let Nephilim are and where they go will be interesting. If we decide that they are spiritual and in, in somewhat in nature or not, uh, regardless of that, uh, we will have some fun looking at some lineage stuff. I did a little research on that. So, but the one thing you guys got to remember going forward, because we're going to dwell on the scripture a lot, is mm-hmm. that some people have made this argument opposing that argument that they're spiritual by saying 
and it's grammatical the way you read it by saying the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And they say, this is an independent idea, which means that they think a lot of people think that the Nephilim already were there when the angel showed up to conceive children with the women. Hmm. So they, because of the way this is broken up, it's very, it's, it's a, it's maybe just as reasonable to assume that because if they say the men of old who were men of renown, they could imply that they were men that were from before the angel showed up. But to me, as we go forward, we'll see that the Nephilim are uh, referenced again and that people do trace their lineage and the greatness of them Mm -hmm. goes on and they are supernaturally big people. The, the people that we like are, Andre the giant, I mean, bigger than him. I mean, if we talk about Goliath, which is a big point of contention, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. but if we, if we look, well, maybe the great Kali who was like nine feet tall, but okay. we'll, we'll get into okay. that. But, uh, so, uh, <laughs> I think he is from somewhere near the middle East. So that might, that might give credence to it. But, uh, but so the, for example, uh, they said that Goliath was six cubits and uh span, which I think a cubit is 18 inches. And so technically that means that he was about 10 feet or more. Mm-hmm. So they, okay. that's what they said. Yeah. And so uh, we're going to talk about some big people like that's unnaturally big. That's bigger than the biggest person. That's in the world, a big so boy. <laughs> just, I mean, that's about just the biggest person in record. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you go to the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum, I think they have like a maybe a close to 10 foot guy or something that mm-hmm. like the biggest guy in history. So anyway, um, and so, um, you know, we've talked about how grammar can play a big role, especially the orientation of the scripture. Um, so I want to move on to numbers 13, uh, 31 through 33. And, okay. and I'm going to, I guess I'm going to read this and kind of give you guys a little bit of a, a different look at the Nephilim later on down the uh, historical path here. You want me to read that one? Oh, sure. If you want to, uh, 31 so, through 33. That's it. Okay. So this is, the spies who are looking at the promised land. Yeah. Cause they, yeah. they want to return yeah. and live, live here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, okay. there's so, somebody already there. Gotcha. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, so that's the context here. So it says, then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. <laughs> so they, so they brought to the people of Israel, a bad report of the land that they had spied on out saying the, the, the land, though which we have been, uh, we have gone to spy it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in the in, uh, that we saw in it are of great height. And them and, some big boys, mm-hmm. big old boys. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, and that we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. So, here's the first. There's the, the the second and maybe only other time mm-hmm. um, that we see the Nephilim referenced um, in in the scripture. There is one or two others that we'll we'll talk about, but uh, they're kind of shaky. But the interesting point to make about this is we we do hear about the height at this point. Uh huh. We also hear about the sons of Anak, which we're going to talk about too. Mm-hmm. But the sons of Anak came from the Nephilim. So it's the Nephilim who came from the sons of Anak who came from the Nephilim. So it's like they're intermingling their race. It's could, so confusing. What yes. is this like Tolkien or yeah. something? Could, could it could it be that the sons of Anak 
took on that the, the persona and claimed to be of the Nephilim without much so, history to back that up? So here's here's what we know about the scriptures in, in general, and that is that if you go back far enough in lineage, you get to the what what, what would you say the uh, the greatest the greatest well, figure in that in that lineage? Yeah. So so what what normally happens is um, you get people from a certain land, and of course over maybe hundreds of thousands, you know, or thousands mm-hmm. of years, you're, you're going to have um, gene splitting, right? And so mm-hmm. what people posit a lot of the time with the Nephilim is that over time, their people were dispersed amongst the, nif- the different nations. And so certain tribes had like giant men in them in general because they are descendants of the Nephilim. Nephilim. Gotcha. If we believe... That they are supernatural or spiritual in some nature, having the spirit or some form of the spirit of a son of God's child or whatever we want to say about that. it And we say that that is why they are preternaturally bigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we have to assume that because of the strength of that the spirit, which dwells within spiritual beings, that would continue on down the lineage. Mm. But if we believe that it was just very large men that were around during the time when the angels came and had their way with women and made wives of them, then they would just be guys that were really tall who married other women that were big and just continued that line down and never diluted. Mm. Because when we get to people like Goliath that are 10 feet tall, you got to wonder like, how did that survive? Mm -hmm. Or um, people like King Og that we'll talk about too. He's interesting. Big old boy. So um, one thing we know, though, is that the people, the account of these people is like, these guys are huge. Right. Like, there is no way we're going to beat these guys. They're enormous. Yes, yes. Discounting the power of Yahweh and everything he's done for them up until this point, getting them out of Egypt. Yeah. So based on those two scriptures alone and what I've explained, what is your first inclination? What do you think? What do you guys think about that? It, it, it's, it's really strange because I'm kind of torn because as Zach pointed out, you have the Nephilim and then you have the flood and then you have the Nephilim again. Yeah. And so it's. How could they survive if they weren't some form of spiritual being? I don't yes. know. Yeah. Yes. And so, yeah, which once again, the idea of, of the flood was, was that, you know, two of every creature to preserve them to rebuild life on the planet. But a different argument, which is very controversial, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of Christians don't want to have this conversation. Sure. Is that a lot of people survived the flood. Technically. You think so? If we look at certain accounts mm. of civilizations, not close to that area, there was, I mean, we're talking about like, you're talking about how like, historical accounts of okay. communities. And so stuff. yeah, I can talk about this a little bit because sure, go for it, Zach. So Mesopotamia had the Gilgamesh story. Sure. And um, Gilgamesh has a character called Utnapishtim, and yep. he is very similar character to Noah, who built a boat and survived a great flood. Mm-hmm. There's also, um, I think there's like Native American stories yep. that. Uh, I believe in Central America specifically and like South America, Central America, they have accounts similar. There's two ways that you can look at that, though, because you can look at that and you can posit that maybe there were other people who survived the flood or maybe it was so long between Noah 
and um, everyone else that sure. it is the same story, but people have developed different versions of it over time. Yes. Yeah. And so, right. and so yeah. th- thus we're all descendants of the Noah of Noah and his family. Yeah. Right. right. So we have to, we have to, what I'm saying is there has been theories. I, I'm sure I'm not saying I agree yeah. or disagree. Yeah. I'm Absolutely. saying there, ha- there has been a lot of people who have brought yeah. up the idea that though sure. the story suggests of the flood, that only two people in the world survived that, Maybe so. Well, so not Noah's too long. Whole family was there. His son. Well, yeah. that's what I meant. Um, yeah. Sorry, his, his, his. Yeah, him, his family. I'm sorry. I meant I meant more than two people. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you're thinking of two though, of every animal. Yes, I am. Though uh, only they survived. Yeah. Only a small time later, there were plenty of thriving civilizations. Ah, okay. So gotcha. there are people that make that statement, but. We're not going to worry about that's a huge yeah, can yeah. of worms, but we are going to talk about the idea that the Nephilim did survive. Okay. Somehow. We're, I think it's not really described in scripture, but if, if we were to take what number says, they're just tall enough that they don't, they don't drown. They stand on the bottom of the water. Perhaps. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> 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 kind of like, kind of like Godzilla, you know, how he's out in the sure. ocean. He can just kind of. So, so, um, so it's interesting because you read those two scriptures. Mm hmm. And if you, it, so one of the controversies is that people claim that in the past, um, the Greek interpretations of these texts were taken and just made as giants. Like yeah. the Nephilim word was turned into giants. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so we had some interesting backlash of that idea because to just say giants is it, it inferred based on the number of scripture. They yeah. took numbers and then they went back to Genesis and made it giants. Interesting. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Be- um, because they saw the same word used in both locations. Regardless of how you feel about whether or not they were supernatural or not, I think that they use the Nephilim word here as almost a tribe name. And we'll talk about yeah. we'll talk about later when we get down to lineage a little bit so. more about how there are different tribes that have names that mean things mm-hmm. like tall or terror or sure. f- fearsome. Sure. So, so, so in other words, it was merely a trait, and this was the Israelites trying to describe them in some capacity that people would understand. I think so. And, and so not necessarily that they were true descendants, but merely this was the closest understanding that they had, so they used the term. Right. But for every other one of the tribes that were big and ferocious that they gave a name like Terror or Big or something, they gave them the Fallen, yeah. which is... Very peculiar, considering mm-hmm. that in this text, in this description, they, the Nephilim, haven't done anything wrong, necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. based on those two scriptures. Yeah, they're just a result yeah. of a rebellion. Could, they're could, tied again, back to it. Sure. Again. Could there have been a um, a mythos within the, after 400 years of captivity, um, and, and, and could, yeah. there, could there have been a mythos regarding culturally with regarding the Nephilim by which they could reference and thus the reason for that reference. Well, so we talk about like, I mean, you know, outside of Christianity, everybody knows or in Christianity as well, everybody knows like the idea of the big fish, right? Sure. Like a story sure, becomes, no, 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 no. Oh, oh I meant like uh, a story becomes bigger. Uh, you know, a gotcha. I caught a four pound fish to get home. I caught a f- eight pound, a 40 fish. pound fish. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so, uh, they talk about, about a Tim Burton movie, <laughs> big fish. <laughs> so, um, so well, th- that is what this movie's about. Yeah, but exactly. Um, so the idea <laughs> that they were mighty men who were of old, yeah. the men of renown, mm-hmm. 
leads us to believe that they had some connotation of fame or of infamy of some kind yeah. uh, going forward. Sure. Now, w- when that is written and why it is written is interesting. And I'm going to return to this text again to talk about something interesting. Gotcha. So do we understand that um, there was a time when man was eternal and wouldn't die. And then God says, my spirit shall not abide in man forever for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. Well, they weren't, they weren't eternal. No, I don't mean it like that. I don't mean it like that. Like they wouldn't die. Well, they, well, no, they, um, Adam presumably wouldn't have died, but then after him and Eve sinned against God, the, the result of that was death. And they did, people did die before this point. No, I know that. I know. But they did live a really long time. Yes. Right, but right. So, so much yeah. longer than we live now, if you're to take I'm, the Genesis account. I'm, I'm yeah. not, my, my words aren't, uh, uh, talking out Your my words aren't word mouthing for, for me. Yeah. So what I wanted to say was <laughs> at, at this point where it says for, uh, my spirit shall not abide in man forever for he is flesh. His yeah. day shall be 120 years. It leads me to this understanding because of like what why did the nephilim continue on or whatever right so Mm -hmm. i believe that because of this decree the nephilim had to procreate in order to continue yeah and because they they can't just live forever or whatever they can't you know they they can't live 900 years or whatever uh depending on how you feel about this decree and what it means so as they procreate and and become involved with other tribes like the Anak and the Zemim and the other ones, the Rephim, Rephaim, or whatever stuff, as we'll learn about. Um, I think that's why we no longer hear the word Nephilim. But that is just a theory. I don't know if that's a true thing. Sure. But do you understand what I mean? Yeah. You hear about the Nephilim right now, but as we look at different yeah. tribes throughout the scripture, they disappear into obscurity. Mm. Um, there is a, there is a, a scripture that talks about, uh, I think it's in Isaiah about the, uh, giant warriors like strewn across the battlefield that are no more. And it kind of, some people make a reference oh, yeah. to yeah. the idea of these giant warriors who were defeated over time and like, we're no gotcha. more. So a so, lot of these lines of giants, men went away through wars and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. they became very diluted, but you're still going to see people like Goliath who was a gall or a golf yeah. or whatever they're called. You guys know the, the board game, small world. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know if all our listeners know about it, but there's this game, small world and a strategy kind of yep. thing. You've it's got, a board game. You've got a map and you have like a different civilization. one of them is giants. Yeah. You could be like giants or yeah. dwarfs yep. or whatever. When you get ready to, uh, you can actually keep playing, but switch to a new civilization. For, you, yeah, for each, yes. each you do generation. Thing, yeah, so you do a thing called going into decline. That's right. And so you flip over all your tokens that are out there, and they can no longer do a lot of their special things, mm-hmm. but they stay on the board. And yeah. they can be pretty easily um, defeated by somebody else who's taken them over, but they're still out there. 
And I thought about the Nephilim yeah. last time that I played because there was somebody who had like giants on the board. Yeah. And they put them into decline and started something else. They were rock giants like from the mountains or something like that. But they had giants still in these little small areas of the board. That's right. That nobody really had an interest in like they didn't going want to in. go up there. So there was so it was like if you think about it, it would be like a giant like little giant village. Right. Still existing like, yeah. throughout time. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, <laughs> now I'm like, so they're, like not pro- they're not prominent anymore, yes, but, but going but, forward in scripture. But, but it's like a small yeah. group that got absorbed into other civilizations. In pockets, they might be around. Yeah. So, Zach, um, I wanted you to maybe touch on this before I talk about the, uh, Enoch book. Okay. Uh, the, the, the three different interpretations of what a Nephilim okay. might be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll based get, on the theories, we'll get into Enoch and we'll talk about Enoch because that's super interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so yeah, so I was reading Heiser's book, Unseen Realm. That's right. And so he talks about the there's kind of three different ways that you can um, interpret who the Nephilim are. Right. So one of them, uh, a theory that people put out there is that they are um, they are basically sons of Seth. Seth the, being the, the righteous child. Yeah. So he's the third child of Adam and Eve. Right. Cain kills Abel and then Cain gets um, exiled basically. And then they have Seth. And so they're thinking that the sons of God here mean the sons of Seth because Seth was godly. Um, and it's kind of connecting it back to like Adam being called a son of God. Based on what we did in our last episode, I would probably lean to that being not true about the connotation of sons of God. Right. Sons of God is such a specific term. But anyway, they right. think that they're sons of Seth and that they married the daughters of Cain because they're calling them the right. daughters of man. That's right. Um, this view, like you have to impose it kind of on, like you have to kind of twist the text to yeah. make this work. Yeah. See, I never so like any theory. I never yeah. like any theory where you have to almost like imagine yeah. up to make it work. And it kind of makes for a weird like racial divide too when there doesn't yeah. have to be. Um, yeah, so that true. I would kind of rule that one out for now. Um, then there is the sons of God as kings, divine kings, just hu- old, well, well, human kings that people believe have been divine. Yeah. So you think about how like, uh, okay. Egypt, okay. Egypt thought that um, that Pharaoh was a god, you mm-hmm. know, and it doesn't really address the fact that. Um, the sons of God is that specific term. So I think it's kind of the same thing. You got to like impose it sort of right. on the text. Um, also like nowhere in the Bible does it say that like human Kings can do something that can corrupt the entire earth. Right. Um, so then there's the third interpretation. That's the spiritual interpretation. And so we uh, talked about one of these scriptures a little bit last time, but Peter and Jude kind of reinterpret the Nephilim story about right. the sons of God falling. Um, so like in second Peter two, four, it says, uh, for if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment. Um, by the way, he's referencing the book of Enoch, which we'll kind of get into. Yes. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others when he brought the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Skip into verse nine. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. 
Um, and then it says, especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. So he's talking about people who rebel. Yeah, yeah. And so it's the fall. About, yeah, talks about how God will spare the righteous and will um, destroy the unrighteous and the people who despise right. God's authority. And he's using the story of the sons of God and the flood of the earth mm-hmm. to kind of make that point. And then in Jude 5, uh, Jude 5 and 6, though you already know this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling. So again, we see the sons of God coming down. Right. And it says angel here, but we've this is one where because we're in Greek, it's interchangeable possibly. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting change for the judgment on the great day. Again, that's kind of going back to the Enoch idea that the sons of God that fell were punished for what they did. Right. And so I think the point that Michael Heiser was trying to make was basically just that the New Testament writers, by and large, believed that spiritual beings came down and contributed to the creation of the Nephilim. Another one, um, I didn't have it listed, and I can't remember exactly where this is, but you remember how Paul kind of talks about how women should wear um, head coverings? Yes. In mm-hmm. worship? Yes, yes, yes. Well, what he says is you should wear your head coverings because you don't want to tempt the angels. That's right. That's another thing because um, they, they saw... They make a point about saying yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. They saw... I never made that connection. We, look, so we looked that up. I can't remember the sure. reference, but yeah, because you think about Genesis um, 6, you've got the daughters of man were attractive and they tempted the sons of God and the sons of God came down, chose them for their wives. Um, or rather Paul is kind of adding the temptation element here. He's saying like, sure. uh, we have the potential to tempt the sons of God. Yeah. Yes. So what does it say? Uh, first Corinthians. Yes. First Corinthians eleven ten is one of these references. It says it is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head because of the angels. Yeah. See that? You're saying like you're going to see that? The angels. Yes. Oh, going oh, back oh, to our yes. first episode. Another translation yeah. says, um, uh, for this reason, and because the angels are watching, a woman should yeah. wear her head covering. So, so, so it's not just the angels are watching you. It's like you don't want to tempt the angels, cover your head so that they don't see how beautiful you really are. You don't want to have them Nephilim babies. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. How crazy is that? Like, that's an that, that's yeah. an interesting. I never realized that that I never made that connection. That so yeah. okay. although the head coverings for women that's always kind of much more obscure. Something we really don't abide by very kinda, much today. Kind of think of it as a cultural thing, and yeah, and and it is. But yeah. I think I think the point he's trying to make is like, don't do anything in worship that takes away the glory from God, because that's when. The, 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 Other things can happen. Yes, that, yeah. that's the ultimate uh, message right there, yeah. nonetheless. No matter how you feel about it, the idea there is that make sure that you don't take the, the attention away from God. Right. So as we discussed in the first episode here mm-hmm. about the sons of God, we have to infer, based on some of the information we understand, that it is possible for angels or sons of God or whatever to potentially come down and try and have relations with humans. Yeah. And I think that Sodom and Gomorrah is a good example of people believing at least that they can have sex with angels. Now, whether or not they actually could, I don't know, <laughs> but they really wanted That's to. That's an interesting point. Uh, but uh, 
Um, so here's 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 what we're gonna come to, uh, and that is uh, this next part about the Book of Enoch, which is mm-hmm. more yeah. more like the kind of an apocrypha Chrono- chronicles of Enoch. Or okay, so yes, yeah. which which is the word I couldn't say last time. Apocrypha. Oh, apocryphal. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's um, one that like the Catholic Church considers like official sure. apocrypha, but it's basically a w- ancient work of Jewish writing mm-hmm. that was being sure. read around the time of Jesus. And so we use right. these as basically kind of context for our scripture. Right. And, and, and for, for reference here, um, many people are just going to immediately discount it because it's not in the Bible, but it's I want Protestant way of thinking. Yes. <laughs> and, and so, and there's good reasons for that. It's, it's not in the canon. However, yeah. it is believed that Jesus himself referenced it in John chapter seven, verse 38. Oh, okay. It says, whoever believes in me as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And most people believe that that is actually a reference, not to anything we have in our canonical Old Testament, but in the book of Enoch. He was oh, referencing, referencing the book of Enoch. Oh, that's right. I didn't yeah, know there, that. Are, there are a few but times in the scripture yeah. where they reference the yes. book of Enoch. The book of Enoch is one of the ones that's more heavily referenced. Peter definitely does. So does Jude. And so, so, yeah. so, so, so that is not to say that, I mean, obviously we do not, many of us will say that it's not necessarily inspired truly by God, but it yeah. was at least important enough that Jesus himself seems to reference yeah. it. I think to kind of help, help us kind of understand like the difference, um, I think the way Protestants tend to determine like the canon of scripture mm-hmm. is that it was at one time agreed upon by all Christians with a council. Sure. So like, for instance, the, um, the Apocrypha that are included in the Catholic Bibles, mm-hmm. um, those were originally discounted. Those, those were included in at a council called the Council of Trent, which was ah. only Catholics at that point. It was after the Reformation. Gotcha. So the Protestants didn't recognize that. Right. But all the books that are in our canon now were included at some council sure. where supposedly all the entire church was represented. And if my history yeah. is correct, I think the Old Testament was actually being canonized by the Jewish population about the time that Jesus was on the earth. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was around that time. I don't yeah. know if it was just before, just after, but either way. Right, yeah. I, 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 I still find it to be quite interesting that yeah. that, that he yeah. references so if these if he, other books yeah. that we no longer use. I don't think this is the only one he referenced. I think he references one or two that we that also as well that are not in use. So we realize that humans had a part to play in in kind of putting the canon of scripture to get scripture together and deciding like what books are in and out. Mm-hmm. If you believe that the Holy Spirit guided that process, then I think you can be assured of the fact that the ones that are in the canon of scripture are there for a reason. The ones sure. that are not in the canon of scripture are not there for a reason. Yes. But I think that as they, opposed to yeah. a conspiracy of trying to leave out certain certain truths. Right. Which, yeah. Which is how many people people bring those up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But so so, so let me just let me just so, hop but, right yeah, in. But I'm 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 pulling us off course. Sorry about yeah. that. Let, okay. let, let, let's it go has, back to the book of Enoch. It has historical value. Yes. Yeah. At the very yeah. least, That's it is right. historical. Just for context. Yeah. Yes. So so this is interesting because chapters six and seven of the book of Enoch line up very specifically with Genesis six, one, chapter verses one through four. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so here we go. And it came to pass when the children of men had multiplied in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters and the angels, which we can feel weird about because the Greeks call them angels. Uh, the children of the 
in the children of heaven saw and lusted after them and said to one another, come, let us choose wives from among the children of men and beget us children. Now here is where things get really crazy. Well, not crazy, but interesting. There's there. So, and Zemjaza, who was their leader said unto them, I fear ye will not indeed agree to do this deed. And I'm alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. And they all answered him and said, let us all swear an oath and all bind ourselves to mutual imprecations, 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 not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. Then swear, swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And they were in all 200. So there was 200 of them, it says, who descended in those days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon. And they called Mm. it Mount Hermon because they had sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And these are the names. And then it goes through all the names. And I guess this we're going to call these guys fallen angels for the purpose of this story. These are the chiefs of tens, it says. Then chapter seven says, and all the others together with them took upon themselves wives and each chose for himself one. And they began to go in unto them and to defile themselves with them. And they taught them charms and enchantments and the cutting of roots and made them acquainted with plants. And they became pregnant and they bear great giants whose height was 3000 eels. And in the, in the research I did, 3000 eels is a extremely large, like we're talking like thousands of feet. <laughs> so, 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 so maybe some slight exaggeration. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll see. Well, cause I don't think a, a human woman could conceive of such a thing unless it really had a nice growth. Yes. Mustard seed style. Who can, okay. So uh, who were um, 3000 eels who consumed all the acquisitions of men. And when men could no longer sustain them, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. And they began to sin against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish to devour one another's flesh and drink the blood. And the earth laid accusations Hmm. against the lawless ones. So, Again, we have to take this with a grain of salt. It's mm-hmm. the book of Enoch. It is not in the Bible. But at the same time, like you all said, it is very valued as a, as a type of text. Yes. At the very least, as a historical reference context to help understand the, the Jewish culture. So like Jamie Jordan would say, uh, you know, you take uh, <laughs> uh, chewing gum, you get what you need from it, and you spit the rest out. So here's what I'll say. It's very interesting that they talk about them being giants, first of all. Mm-hmm. It's also very interesting that it talks about how they taught the women like bad stuff, mm-hmm. like charms and enchantments. Sure. Because later, right after this, we're going to see the flood, you right. know, and about how they became so defiled with evil, according to Genesis 5 and on. Genesis 6, 5 and on, excuse me. And so whether or not these things are really accurate and true or if they're uh, stories or embellishments or whatever, we know that the the spirit of this thing is true. And it's interesting to have at least what I would call semi corroboration, <laughs> whether or not it's true. Right. <laughs> and so um, the book of Enoch, as well as several other, other texts like that are referenced in the Bible or potentially did not make it into the scripture. And I believe that if they didn't make it into the Bible, there was a reason they didn't make it. Into Absolutely. Bible. But um, 
for the purpose of this particular thing, we're learning about the Nephilim. We have to at least acknowledge the idea that in the book of Enoch, they also thought they were giants. So sure. Yeah. Moving on. The book of Enoch is interesting. Uh, a a lot of people who are theologians or people who want to be very intellectual with their spiritual walk do check out the Apocrypha books, uh, find, find them to be of interest. So I think it's also interesting, um, with it being Mount Hermon where, yeah, I heard you hmm where the, where the sons of God, uh, decided to, um, come down and and make that plan because they made an agreement with each other to do it. Well, was that Mount Hermon? That's what it says. So Mount Hermon for one is by Caesarea Philippi. So it's near that place (laughs) where Jesus made that pronouncement, like the gates of hell won't prevail. Which we talked about last week. It's also believed by some people to be the Mount of transfiguration where Jesus took, uh, Took two of his disciples up to a high place and uh, was transfigured and they saw the spirit or they saw Moses and Elijah and Mm -hmm. um, and he became glowing. That whole thing where Jesus like divinity was kind of like confirmed by voices and stuff. Um, Imagine like the significance of that being Mount Hermon, if it really was. And if Mount Hermon was the place where the sons of God came down and decided, like, I'm going to rebel or whatever, like. I think it wasn't long after that, that Jesus even like started talking about, like I saw Satan fall like lightning. Yeah. You know, there's like this connection point there in that general area. Uh-huh. It's the, sure. nor- it's the Northern border of Israel. Basically. Yeah. Mount Hermon's like you a know. place where a lot of bad stuff went down for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I was going to uh, reference Jesus just now because, uh, I know we're running out of time. So I wanted to touch on a few other points. Some people believe that the spirits of the Nephilim yeah. were, were disembodied <laughs> yeah. and maybe like stronger demons because they had spiritual connections to the sons of God. Interesting. Um, and so there is a, uh, there is a scripture that some people reference with this and it is first Peter, th- uh, first Peter three, starting in verse 18. And I'll, I'll just read cause I have it here for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous, uh, so it's 18, 19, and 20. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamations to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. So hmm. the interesting thing that connects us to the first episode and this one is the fact that Jesus went to talk to the to the disembodied spirits who were imprisoned uh, and and explain about how they had rebelled yeah. against God and how that's bad. Yeah, and sure. That's why the flood yeah. came as a result of that. And mm-hmm. Peter talks about the imprisoned spirits being right. the sons of God who rebelled. That's exactly yeah. right. So, yeah. so some people like to make the case Ooh. that some people like to make that case. Now, um, I, I think that's a little tough with uh, the little information we have to like totally make that connection because we don't know what the Nephilim's thing is. And still, there are further people that say the Nephilim did not survive the flood. That's another theory that's out there, and that the Nephilim died in the flood, but then the sons of the Anak were then called the Nephilim to, to because they were big. Sure. Yeah. Okay. But I, I again have to disagree, but only because if the Anak were alive and survived, 
you kind of wonder, you know, again, yeah, you got to wonder about who was, who was around and living. But, um, so, so one brief thing I'll say about the E L I O U D, which apparently some people called the children of the Nephilim, which then would be a separate race on its own. But personally, I think that, um, it would probably most likely just be that the delusion of the bloodline, which continues down. If we believe that these giants were really, really big Mm -hmm. and that they just continue to be big. And one, uh, thing before Zach, you finish up here, uh, is I just want to talk about some notable giants that have their lineage traced back to the Nephilim. Okay. So Goliath, he has his lineage traced back and there is a, uh, Link I'll maybe put in the description of this uh, episode uh, from a really interesting like article a guy put together uh, where he gives like a lineage line of Goliath and references the Nephilim. King Og, who was the last of the Rephaim, uh, and he and you can read about him in Deuteronomy 3, um, and he gets taken out when they find his bed. It's like several like cubits long and wide. He's like a giant, giant guy. And uh, so then there is the Amorites. Uh, the descendants of Canaan, and mm-hmm. uh, they are referenced in Numbers and also in Amos 2 as being these big dudes, the Rephaim, which was from what King Og was from. The Zuzim, which is also like the Zuzimim in a weird way. <laughs> uh, and they're from Deuteronomy as well, Deuteronomy 2. Um, the uh, Emim and the Anakim. Uh, and then, uh, so there, a lot of these are referenced in Deuteronomy, which is interesting because that's kind of where we see a lot of the like fighting and wars happening where these big like warriors show up, but they're all lineage wise connected. Well, it's interesting because they stand in the way of Israel. Right. Taking hold of the promised land. That's right. That's kind of where they come into play at the story. Mm hmm. And, and so- that's probably one of the reasons why we think of Goliath is possibly a Nephilim because he you know, was standing in the way opposing Israel still, right. you know. And so a few goofy little theories, and then Zach, uh, uh, you should uh, talk about the Babylonians. So a lot of people that aren't really that Christian like to talk about how these were ancient aliens. Yes. Yeah, uh, that they thing. Because yeah. they talk about the, the demonology of them, like they could, mm-hmm. you know, possess. Yeah. And so maybe the Nephilim were the uh, mental possessor aliens of like ancient old times that yeah. land on Earth and could like go in your body and like mess with you and stuff, <laughs> which again is just silliness. But all right, Zach, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of theories out there that like maybe the Nephilim are disembodied spirits out there or whatever. Right. I think that like um, getting back to kind of what I talked about at the beginning of the last episode about the rational mindset right. versus the ancient mindset. Yeah, the ancient mindset, I think would be more likely to look at these stories for like what they mean to yes. us. Yes. Whereas the rational mindset is going to have all these like scientific questions. Like were they biologically real? Did, like, how did, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I'm asking those same questions. Like I want to know that stuff, but I think in the, I think in the ancient mindset, like I think they keep in mind like the symbolism and stuff, right. not that they didn't believe it was real. I think they did, but I think they, the meat that they were trying to get out of it was like, Oh, what is God doing here? So, like, I think you got to keep in mind that these were made in a context where, like, other ancient cultures had different mythologies. That's mm-hmm. right. So there was Babylon, which was right n- near Israel. Right. And mm-hmm. Israel was inside of Babylon for a quite, while. Yeah, right. quite, some time. quite a while. Um, 
So Babylonian mythology has a lot of the same stories, but different versions of giant it. warriors of renown. They who talk about good. Yeah. They were like their pinnacles of exactly. manhood and stuff. So they have, um, instead of the sons of God, they have the Apkalus. Yep. Which are kind of like these miniature God spirits. That's right. And they came down and they bore giant half breed children. And, um, same thing with kind of like the, the flood where they had like a different kind of Noah. That's sure. right. But in all those stories, they have like a completely different point than what the Bible tries to bring out. So like, That's for right. example, their giants are the good guys. Right. But in the Bible, the giants are the bad guys. Well, so, and, and well, you see yeah. this in, in, in Greek mythology as well. I mean, the yeah. most classic one being Hercules. Yeah. Um, yes. Mean, Hercules. Yes. And w- once again, uh, at least I don't, I don't, I have not read the uh, more traditional readings, writings mm-hmm. about Hercules, but um, we often in, in 21st century and 20th century America have interpreted Hercules more of a positive figure. Kevin Sorbo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as, as well as a Disney yeah. figure as well. But, but yes, but yes, yeah. Kevin Sorbo is, 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 is right. the most, one of the most prominent views yeah. of that. But the point is, is that, you know, once again, a half breed, how is he different than the Nephilim? So, well, well, first Other of all, than not being a giant. Well, yes, not know. being a giant, but the half breed, uh, as bred by the gods yeah. himself, mm-hmm. uh, well, the, the, the greatest of the deities, Zeus, um, and, um, as well as having superhuman abilities and yeah. not being a tribe, but only being one, which also is slightly yeah. different, but the point still being a man of renown, but they still made them the good guys, which is yes. interesting. Right. Yes. And so I, what I feel like is happening is you got these like two different sides of the story. I think that they're, um, they are different versions of something that happened a long time ago, what exactly it was and how the Bible is like depicting it. We're not really sure. Right. But we do know that the Bible is the inspired word of God. And so the people who are writing the Old Testament scripture had a point to make about what the Babylonians were saying. Oh, yeah. You believe that the gods came down and like helped you found your civilization? Well, we believe that it was the the sons of God came and that was a bad thing. That was rebellion against the one true God. That's true. And so your whole civilization that you were bragging about is actually sinful. You know, right. Well, um, and, and the that, last, that's a really neat commentary. Yeah. And the yeah. last thing I will say is that there is, there is some degree of credence to the idea that if the Nephilim were actually the, the children of a son of God who a fallen son of God who rebelled. Yes. Little G. It makes sense to, uh, to maybe think that though they would have been terrifying and strong, that they would have also had like a, like a spirit of rebellion. If yeah. we believe that their spirit within them was some form of the sunness or whatever. Sure. And, At the very yeah. least, a cultural spirit of rebellion, if not a, sure. if not a, in, a literal one in so, the, in, in the narrative that the Bible like puts forth, that's what they represent. You that's know? what that's, a, yeah. which is and yeah. the, and I don't, I do not think that it is coincidence that the flood comes right afterwards and, yeah. and where Enoch kind of, gets a little more colorful with the with the way that it describes that story. I do think that the spirit of that story is the same, and that is that right around that time, God is pretty much fed up with humanity. Now, does that mean that the sons of God influenced humanity and, and bore children that were totally sinful, that would lead others astray and make a Babylonian army? 
I don't know. But I can say that based on the fact that Jesus in first Peter, I think, kind of references that and says, like, don't you remember back then when all of you guys were doing really bad stuff and they had to do a flood? Yeah, you guys made a bunch of mistakes Mm -hmm. and that's why you're now imprisoned. So I think that in the very least we can determine that the spirits did something to rebel against God, which we know from the first episode that resulted in an influence on the people of that time, whether or not the giants are spiritual in nature or they are just supernaturally men of renown, the sin of that time probably corrupted them to a point where they were ready to like kill Israel and whatever else. But over the course of time, they get wiped out yeah. too. Well, yeah. what, what would so, be Israel? Even Goliath, who they say explicitly in the scripture descends from the giants. They mm-hmm. use that word um, is still part of like the issue. I guess you say like one of the, bad guys as they depict him in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there are any giants that are good guys in the Bible. So I, I wonder if that is like on purpose, but we, mm-hmm. we can't know. I would like to think there's like one Andre the giant out there. Who's from the prince's bride. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh, hello lady. And it's just like really nice to people. <laughs> yeah. And Hulk Hogan says to him, I signed a lot of contracts. <laughs> you want me to say it? I'll sign it at WrestleMania. <laughs> Okay. Oh we're, my goodness. We're tired. We're done. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I, I know this wasn't as uh, scripturally based as the first episode, but well, there was, well, it, it mostly was. And once again, there's a lot of uh, other outside influence that makes the Nephilim what they are. And as far as like a mythos, mm-hmm. cultural context. Uh, and, but, but it is rooted in scripture. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, what, once again, tell us what you think. Do you, do, do you disagree with some of the things that we brought up here? What, what, what are do your you think the Nephilim are the product and lineage of the, the fallen sons of God? That's what I want to find <laughs> out. Do you guys believe that? Because I've heard people make that argument and make a very better argument than I have made. I would say that I probably lean towards the idea that that is totally possible because mm-hmm. after what we've heard in the first episode, you got to believe that that would be a po- possibility. But there you go. Thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for uh, sticking with us. I hope you're doing good. We'll uh, continue to uh, put out uh, quality listening content for you guys during the coronavirus. So feel free to keep sticking with us as we enter into week three of our series. Yeah, buddy. When we will talk about demons. (laughs) All right, guys. God bless. Peace. Peace.